Hey guys, thanks for swinging by our podcast today. We hope this message leaves you encouraged and filled with hope and that Christ and His goodness is meeting your every need. Last Sunday, Bob walked in. Bob walked in and I said, do you have a word? And he didn't even hesitate. He said, yes. He said, yes, God's laid something on my heart. And so come on up here, Bob. Yeah, welcome him. (laughs) So... (laughs) So, Jesus, anoint your servant today. Uh, Give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you want to do. And I pray, God, Lord, it does not matter who's at the pulpit. What matters is, is your spirit speaking to us. And so we honor Bob, and we can't wait to receive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. They're fine. Let them be in here. It's it's hard to believe that um, it's been almost almost a year since the last time or the first time we came to Louisville. I mean, in March, it's coming up. It's, it's hard to believe it's been almost a year. It's crazy. Um, so much has happened in the last six months. Um, I want to just read something the Lord brought me a couple weeks ago. I'm just going to read it to you. Um, there are two real choices in life that dictate how we live. To be free or to be in bondage. Both hold great power over us, but they are both just a state of mind. There's no real battle to be waged because the battle's already been fought and decided through the sacrifice of Jesus. The obligation we feel to either one is decided in our own mind and heart. God will not force us to live free, and the enemy doesn't have the power to force us to live in bondage. We have to decide which side we will agree with. What do we believe about God, about Satan, about ourselves, about our situation? The answers to the question ultimately decide how we live. And 1 Peter 2.16, do not use your freedom as a covering for evil. Um, I, I read that a few weeks ago, and it, I'm going to use a big word, it really perplexed me. <laughs> um, it, I just, uh, I remember reading it and, and looking at Jamie, and I go, I just couldn't wrap my mind around that verse. And, and I was... I could have picked up my smartphone as, you know, and said, oh, I'm going to Google it and find out what other people say about it, but I really want to know what God had to say about it. And um, so I'll reveal that to you at the end. But I, I just think, so chew on that verse for just a, for just a moment and, and really digest it a little bit. Um, six months ago, we moved, well, seven months ago now, but we moved to, to Louisville and we, we came out of a, um, a church in, in Michigan, and we had a lot of hurt when we came here. And um, we, we didn't know how to deal with that hurt. We thought God was calling us here to plant a church. At least that's what God told us before we got here. And to be honest with you, if God would have told us what we were going to endure and go through when we got here, we probably would have said no. <laughs> I mean, probably not, but... 
I mean, it would have made it a lot more difficult. Because when we got here, we realized um, God wasn't calling us to plant a church. We had absolutely no idea what God was calling us to do whatsoever. The last, um, the last five months, six months, um, have probably been the hardest uh, for my ministry and my life, period. It has been, not that we've had such terrible things happen, but the wrestle uh, that I've had with God has been such an intense battle. I don't think I've ever wanted to quit ministry more than I have in the last six months, ever. Um, and it's not a bad thing. I mean, it, that's, that's the, the beautiful thing about all of this, because God took us from such a, a desperate place, and he's brought us to a place where I, I could never have imagined. Um, you, you hear people, you know, they get up here and they talk about the, the intimacy that they have with the Lord, and, and you always, and I've always desperately wanted this intense intimacy with him, but I've never found it until now. It's such a, it's such a, oh my gosh. I can, words can't even begin to explain. Um, I'm in the midst of it and I can't even begin to explain to you or even put words to what God is doing. Um, but we had, I had such intense hurt I was offended, I was angry, I, uh, I, I went through such um, turmoil in my heart over the last six months of what God called us here to do, and, and, and really God called us to put us, I mean, he really put us through the ringer, I mean, just be honest. Um, God wanted us to get to a place and wanted me to get to a place uh, of such desperation um, to where I, I just needed to let go. I had never really let go. I mean, it was just amazing. You know, I can count, I don't know how many times over, over the last 14 years where I submitted to God and where I let go and I thought that I completely surrendered. I have never completely surrendered until two months ago. I mean, it, let me tell you. Um, my, I'll start in November. November, the Lord specifically told me that I needed to lay down my ministry. And, and I couldn't pick it back up until, uh, until he allowed me to. And I couldn't teach, I couldn't preach, I couldn't do anything. Um, of course, I could witness uh, as, a, as a Christian. But, but the Lord just, he said, I want you to lay down your ministry. And um, so I, I thought I laid down my ministry. I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to lay it down. I'm not going to pick it back up. And the Lord told me when he gave me the authority to pick it back up, or when he gave me, when he told me to pick it back up, he'd give me authority over it. And uh, so I did that in November, and, and December came around, and Christmas came around, and um, I found myself in such a desperate place on Christmas morning Realizing how far I had drifted away from the Lord, uh, how how much I'd made it about me and my comfort and not about Him, and um, I wept. I mean, I ugly cried. It was it was <laughs> I ugly cried, uh, and I don't ugly cry all that often, but I ugly cried. And um, praise God, nobody was in the room with me, but it, he was. But um, and I just repented. And I, I, I was literally ready to um, 
call Michael up, call Brian Powell up, uh, the next day and quit and, and hand over my credentials as, a, as an elder in the Nazarene Church because of my lack of discipline and my lack of intimacy with the Lord. I had gotten to the place where I was ready to just say I'm done. I, I don't deserve uh, all that you've given me, God. I don't deserve the credentials. I don't deserve the title of elder. Uh, I have not displayed you very well. And uh, the Lord said, no, you won't do that. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> um, and, the, and the last two months have been... Uh, Crazy, I mean crazy. Uh, I thought I had been freed before, um, but the freedom that I've experienced, the level of love that the Father has given me—oh my gosh, <laughs> dude! I can't even. It's overwhelming. I mean, it is so overwhelming to the degree that that there are there are no true words to describe the kind of love that he's given me, and not only that, that I feel from him, but the love that he's given me to, to release. Amen. I mean, oh my, <laughs> it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And I, 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 the Lord has been giving me a, a word for probably the last four weeks. And, uh, and Michael prayed my heart last week, so then I had to like fall back and punt a little bit. And, I'm like, he stole my sermon. So, um, but the Lord wants me to share on offense this morning because when we got here, um, when I want to say, I want to stop saying we. When I got here, uh, I was so offended. I, was, I, spent the last, I spent the last three years offended and I made every, I had good reason in my heart and my mind why I was offended and why I was wronged. And I, I, I man, hmm, six months ago, I could have told you all the things of why, why uh, I was just in being offended and feeling the way that I did. Um, but the Lord just, I can't do that anymore because the Lord just revealed to me I was deceived. I was, I was living in such deception. Um, that I, I couldn't see what God was really trying to do. Um, so I wanna share on offense this morning because I think, um, I don't have true numbers, I didn't Google this and um, I'm sure people will disagree, but I, I really believe that 95% of the church's problem is offense. <laughs> I really do. Um, I, I really believe that, that if we'd stop being offended, <laughs> about what other people say or what the world does or, or what, what kind of government law gets passed, if we would stop being offended, uh, we might just be united in Christ. Amen? I mean, we, we, we just might come together as a body and begin to behave like Jesus. <laughs> kind of, I think his word says something about that, but it's, it's in there somewhere. Um, but... <clears throat> Proverbs 18, 19 says, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. So here's the, here's the thing, is when, when, we, when we 
read and listen, and, and listen to what Jesus says in the word, and we learn about his life, um, was Jesus just never, he never walked in offense. And never once does he walk in offense. And, and the word calls us to be like him, to imitate him. Um, so if we're offended, if we're offended, are we like Jesus? There is no offense in him. First um, Corinthians 14, one says, pursue love. I mean, that really is the, if you want a quick answer to how you are, how you're supposed to walk in, in, in complete freedom and not be offended by anything, that's it right there. Amen. Two words. Amen. Pursue love. And in, in 13.5, it says, love keeps no record of wrongs. It's not offended. Amen. Love is not offended. So if we're pursuing love, how can we get offended? How can we walk in offense? Listen, I mean, there are so many things out in the world that we could be offended by. I mean, just, I mean, here, and not even out in the world, guys. I mean, our, we're, we're live on Facebook, but our denomination is divided. It's offended by teaching from this book. Come on. Well, I didn't hand over my credentials. So they'll be taken. <laughs> Come on, it, kill, it pains me. My heart breaks to watch the church struggle with offense. Because it's not its design. John 15, 12 through 13, Jesus, Jesus says, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Jesus is the perfect example of how not to walk in offense. I mean, he had the guy, the guy that betrayed him, he ate, discipled, taught him, loved him for three years. And he knew. He knew. He knew. <clears throat> John 6, 7, he says. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him from the very beginning, even before he called him. That's crazy to me. And here's the, here's the, here's the thing. Um, I really, truly believe wholeheartedly that Jesus, as the nails were being plunged into his body, that he, he prayed that Judas would be in, in paradise with him. Come on, I mean, I just really believe that. I do. I mean, I know there's nothing in here that says that, but I believe wholeheartedly that Jesus didn't turn his back on Judas even after Judas turned his back on him. I, I believe that. He wasn't offended. He wasn't offended. Uh, you know, I Googled, because um, I, I just wanted to see what, thing, what people said about why Judas decided to betray Jesus. And I think one of the biggest things is greed. Um, but I, I really just don't believe that. Because, I mean, Judas had full access to all the money he wanted. 
I mean, he was stealing it. So he had full access. Why would it be greed? For 30 pieces of silver, I think he would have made out more if he would have just kept with Jesus. Um, another said, uh, I think it was something about they, he wanted Jesus to be political power and because Jesus wasn't going to do that, he was, he was done with them. I, just, I truly believe that Judas was offended by everything he taught because he wasn't walking in it. Amen. So I really believe that Judas was just offended by everything that Jesus was about and he was done. And, and, and even in John 13, uh, 26 through 30 is when, when Jesus was dining at the Passover and he handed Judas the, the piece of bread and, and then Judas left and, and went to betray him. At one chapter before that, you remember Mary anoints, comes in and anoints Jesus and who speaks up in offense about what she does? Judas. How could you do that? And then what is Jesus? Jesus rebukes him. I, would, I just imagine that, that Judas fell about that small, about that big in that moment. Here he is sitting with all the disciples and Jesus rebukes him. And then one chapter later, he betrays him. I just, I just, I just believe that Judas was offended by Jesus. Um, so, I know Jesus was the Son of God, and, and, and I think it's easy to um, almost dismiss him as an example of how he lived. Um, so, so, I wanted a little bit more support in, in walking in without offense. So, in Numbers 12, 14, and 16, um, we see Moses and Israel, and I mean, come on, I mean, we could probably pick so many more <laughs> throughout Exodus and everything else about how much Israel was such a pain for, for Moses. But, um, but these three passages, I think, really stand out to me because in, in 12, you have Aaron and Miriam, um, they both rebel against Jesus because they got offended, because they said, well, we can hear from God too. So in that, you would think, well, I mean, Moses would have had opportunity. He would have had a, probably a just reason to get offended by those two. What does he do? He falls on his face and he prays for him. He cries out for him. So then in 14, Israel rebels and says, well, we had it so much better in Egypt, as they said throughout. I mean, I said it all the time, but they were ready to stone Moses. And what does Moses do? He gets on his face and he cries out for Israel. God was ready to destroy him. I mean, that would have been a hard conversation to have. I mean, <laughs> it just would have been. If I was Moses, I'd be like, well, all right. Well, I mean, you know, I've been dealing with these people for how long? I mean, they have just, they've been just a pain. Maybe it'd be just best for God. You just wipe them out. We'll just start over, me and you. And he said, no. He got on his face and he cried out to him. And God interceded. And then in 16, they rebel again. And what does Moses do? He gets on his face and he cries out for Israel. 
No offense. He wasn't offended by it. I mean, he had every reason. They wanted to kill him. If Michael said, I'm going to kill you, I, I mean, I just might be offended by that. I mean, if, if, a, if, if he comes to me and goes, you know, I'm really tired of, of, of dealing with you, I'm going to probably throw some rocks at you and kill you until you're dead. I might be offended by that. I might have a hard time praying for him. I mean, I'd probably pray some bad things about him, but I wouldn't pray for it. Like, I, I mean, I just have a hard time with that. That, but that's how it was. I mean, these were close people. These were, I mean, come on. He wasn't offended. He wasn't offended. Why wasn't he offended? Because he was in covenant. He, he communed with God. Constantly, He spoke with him face to face. He had an intimacy that nobody had ever had before with God. And for that matter, <laughs> I mean, truthfully, I mean, Moses had such an intimacy with God. He was in covenant. And a covenant, for, for those of you that don't know, is an agreement. It's a bond. It, it, it's, it's coming together as one. I mean, we could probably, I could preach a whole other sermon on covenant, but that's, I'll leave it right there. But it's coming, as, it's coming together as one. Moses and God were one. He knew God's heart. He knew his heart. That's why he got on his face and he cried out for Israel because he knew his heart. Amen. So a person, there's two things here. There's two sides of the coin. You're either in covenant with God, or you're in covenant with the enemy. There is no in-between. There, there's, no, there's no middle, and there's no other reality. You're either in covenant with God, or you're in covenant with the enemy. You've made an agreement with him, or you've made an agreement with the enemy. So, how do we make a covenant with God? Well, it's already made. <laughs> it's already made. You don't have to go through the pain of doing it. It's there. It's ready. All you have to do is enter into it. Amen. Well, how do I enter into it? You intentionally surrender. Daily. Daily. First Peter two twenty four, and he himself bore our sins in his in his bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed, set free. Galatians five twenty four. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life I now live by in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave, him up, gave himself up for me. Right. Come on. How do we live in covenant with God? 
We die to us. Well, I'm a Christian. I already did that. No, that's not. That's, it's not. It doesn't work that way. Well, I accepted it. No, it doesn't work that way. It's a daily, daily, daily thing we do. Every day we wake up and we make the choice whether we're going to live for him or ourselves. What covenant do we want to make today? Come on. We have to daily die to who we are and allow him to live in and through us. There's no other way. And guess what? It's painful. It can be painful. Because God doesn't want to leave you the same. He doesn't want you to carry the same stuff that you've carried for all these years. He doesn't want to leave any stone uncovered. Or whatever, I said that wrong. You know what I mean. Did I? All right. Offense has such a power. Um, and it's, you know what? It feels good to be offended. Does that make sense? It does. So, so I, I thought, why do we get offended? I mean, I don't think there's a scientific answer why we get offended. But I came up with four reasons. Number one, self-importance. We think we're always right. So if somebody disagrees with our stance, we get offended by it. My kids think they're all right. And you know that meme on Facebook that says, if whatever you say or do at home, well, it is. I mean, it's, it's full, it's 100%. If you screw up at home, I'm going to say it in the pulpit. I used to say it a lot more, I just don't preach as much. I, I mean, they th- I think they like to be offended sometimes. They just stand their ground. You just like it. It feels good. You, like, you stand up taller than everybody else sometimes. That's the way it feels. Those, those, the, the, the so-called Christians out there with their signs and their billboards that say, this is bad and you're going to hell and everything else. Well, so number two is control. I got ahead of myself. Number two is control. They like to use the word should. We should do it this way. We shouldn't do it that way. Uh, How about we do it my way? They like control. So we get offended when we lose control. Um, (laughs) I'm just going to tell you, I've done all four of these things. I've lived in all four of these things. And I've lived in all four of them all at the same time. I think they honestly go hand in hand sometimes. Uh, Number three, we want to separate ourselves. So we think if we get offended by something... We separate ourselves from all the bad people. So if I get offended by um, abortion and I stand on, I'm not standing for abortion, by the way, but if I get offended by abortion and I stand out there and tell you if you get an abortion, you're going to hell, um, that separates me from me and you, and now uh, it's okay for me to be offended by that. It's not. 
It's not. Guys, it's not okay to be offended by even the good things. I mean, does that, I mean, it's not, it's not okay. God's not offended. We even like to say, well, God gets offended by that. No, he doesn't. They hung him on a cross, and he prayed for them while he hung there. He wasn't offended. Number four, public image. <laughs> if we get offended, it shows we're good people. It shows, ooh, I'm a super Christian. Look at me. I'm offended by that. <laughs> Come on. Mm -mm. There's no good reason to be offended. Zero. Because offense only allows the enemy to toy with your mind. Because offense is not of God. So I'm going to quote Jay Jellison. If we can't afford to have one thought in our mind that the Father doesn't have in his heart, we can't afford it. Not one. Not one. <laughs> it, the biggest thing is, is, is loving one another. And I know as Christians, we like to use the word love. Um, and and be honest with you, I think that people throw it around just a little too much. That's probably offensive to somebody. I don't care. <laughs> Get over it. It's not of God. <laughs> and that's probably offensive to somebody. Stop it. It's not an option, though. It's not loving one another. Is not an option. It's a commandment. Jesus said, I command you. I'm pretty sure that's important. If Jesus says, I command you, I think it's important. I think it's one of the hardest things we have to do. I'm just going to be honest. It is. Because people are flawed. But when we learn how to walk in covenant with God and we don't get offended, we begin to love. Because we don't have any thoughts in our mind that are not of him. Amen. We only have his thoughts. One of, one of my um, biggest prayers um, that I started praying uh, in, a month ago was, God, give me your memories. I want your memories. I, I want to see everything through your lens. I don't want to look at another thing through my eyes. I want to see it through your lens. Guess what happened when I started praying that? He started doing it. <laughs> I begin, but here's the thing. It's a constant thing. It's over and over and over again. Sometimes, I mean, countless times a day. 
we think, uh, I, I think that there's this, well, you're supposed to have it put together. You're supposed to have this and this and this and this. And uh, I mean, we're just people. If we, if we enter into that true covenant with God in agreement, isn't that funny? It's just that, I mean, it's just an agreement. Jesus shed the blood for it already. He went through the pain of it. Now we just have to agree with it and live in it. <laughs> because when we live outside of it, we're reliant on ourselves. And then we begin to, to rely on other people's faith. We begin to rely on the pastor's message or the pastor's prayers or the worship team or if, if, if they're off key, um, which you guys aren't. You guys were beautiful. But if they're off key, we go, oh, oh, oh my. As a worship leader, I spent, um, oh, I mean, I think that's probably one of the hardest things to do in a church sometimes. Not in this church, because you guys are absolutely amazing. Um, but, but there are some churches that don't like music. They don't like, they don't, I mean, it's just, it's, and you get, they get offended by your freedom. I mean, and people, isn't that funny? I'm offended by your freedom. Why do you think people get pulled back? If we're not in covenant, we will always, always go back to where we were. We will. It will never last. And I, I, I'm testifying to you this morning that it won't because I have spent many years getting free and then going back. Getting free and then going back. Getting free and then going back because I never entered into covenant. You know, back in the beginning of January, the Lord spoke to me and said, Bob, you can't handle what I have to tell you because you're not in covenant with me. And it broke my heart. And he says, you haven't been in covenant with me for a long time. That's why you spent three years offended. And you thought it was okay. You had just reasons. And by all means, you may have been wronged. I'm not discarding or, or diminishing things that happen to people. Because there are terrible things that happen to people. But it doesn't have to define you. It doesn't have to be who you are. You know, I didn't wish this then because I really appreciated people um, giving heed to my, um, my offense. When I would talk to other believers, I would talk to even, even, even great people of faith. I would talk to them about what was going on in my life and what was going on at the time. And they would always justify what I had to say. Do you know what I wish now that they would have just said? Why are you offended? Because Jesus never was. Why, were you, why are you offended? It stopped me from being able to love God's people. It stopped me from being able to love my wife the way I should have. 
It stopped me from being able to love Jesus the way I should have. And, he, and here's, the, here's the thing. I was such in deception that I thought I was okay. I thought, oh, wow, this is just a crappy situation. Thanks a lot, God, for doing this. I mean, really, that's how I felt for three years. It was miserable. No, it is kind of funny. Because I look back on it and go, oh, my. If I would have... If I would have just seen for a moment through your lens, none of this, I mean, things would have been different. Amen. So the last six months were very difficult. They were hard. They were painful. Because God was taking me out of deception and bringing me into the light. He was revealing all the lies that I believed about myself and about others and about him for that matter. So, so freedom is a choice. I don't know where I am. So there are two real choices in life that dictate how we live to be free or be in bondage. It's your choice. Oh, sometimes I wish that God would just make the choice for me. But he doesn't. Why? Because he wants intimacy. He wants true covenant. He doesn't want a robot. He doesn't want a yes person. I think he even delights in us questioning him. I really do. To him, not to others. Proverbs 17, 9, he who conceals a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. That right there is why churches split. That divides churches over and over and over and over again. 17, 9. I have, I have witnessed church divisions. I have worked, witnessed divorces. I've witnessed friends not speaking to friends because of offense. And it all could have been avoided. Well, they said this. Well, I'm sorry they said that, but I mean, Jesus didn't get offended. So to be free or to be in bondage, both hold great power over us, but they're both just a state of mind. Get this. I mean, don't make it harder than it needs to be. Don't complicate Jesus. I mean, when I first started following Jesus, oh man, did I complicate him. I just made it so complicated for myself. I was just, I mean, I just thought you had to do this and this and this and this. I mean, it was just, it wasn't living by grace or faith. It was living by a set of rules. There's no battle to be waged, guys. There isn't. We think, well, I got to fight the enemy. Oh, man. I'm up against it today. The enemy's really just, I'm going to, oh, I've been in a battle all day with him. Why? 
If you're in a battle with the enemy, you've placed yourself there. You don't need to be there. You don't need to be there. Because my Bible says that Jesus dragged him through the streets of hell. Naked. I'm pretty sure that means he's defeated. Just, you know, I mean, it, it just kind of, he dragged him through his own hometown and just naked and said, look at this, guys. See what I did? I mean, really? What a proud moment. <laughs> There's no battle to be waged. We don't have to fight the battle because Jesus already won. All we have to do is agree with him. That's right. Come on. The obligation that we feel that either one's decided in our own mind and heart. It's your own decision. God's not going to force us to live free. God is not going to force us to live free. And the bonus to this is that the enemy doesn't have the power to make us live in bondage. He doesn't have the bondage. Or the, the power. One of my favorite things Rob McCorkle has ever said was the squirt gun thing. I mean, he's lit, that's what the enemy, the enemy has a squirt gun. And that's what he points at you. There is no, I mean, there's not, <laughs> and we get scared. <laughs> we get scared. Oh man, the enemy gave me a flat tire today. No, he didn't. He doesn't have that power. Um. <laughs> We have to decide which side we're going to agree with. And it comes down to what we believe. It comes down to what we believe. And it's about God, what we believe about the enemy. What, I mean, if we give him more power than he deserves, guess what? He gets more power than he deserves. We have to understand what we believe about ourselves. What we, what we believe about ourselves dictates everything. If we don't see ourselves through the lens of Jesus, we're defeated already. Because we will always see ourselves through what everybody else has said about us. And if I did that, and I've done that for a lot of years, it's miserable. Because a lot of good people said a lot of things they didn't mean to hurt me by, but they did. We have to understand what we believe about our situation. Because I really believe that each situation brings a different set of problems and solutions. When, when something happens and you get shaken, what's going to happen? What are you, that's another Rob McCorkle thing. So 1 Peter 2.16, do not use your freedom as a covering for evil. That, that perplexed me because if I'm free, there is no evil in the equation. So I thought, that's, that verse didn't make sense to me. How can I use freedom as a covering for evil? And I prayed and I prayed and I thought, God, I just want you to answer me on this. I need to know why that verse has just completely boggled me. And he said this to me the next morning. He made, I mean, it was the next morning. He said, our freedom has been decided and granted. This is the only true reality. 
So we choose to use this freedom for the kingdom or for evil. Our freedom cannot and should not be questioned. It's our willingness to walk in freedom that can and should be questioned. So our freedom has been granted. It's here. I mean, God is, I mean, take it. So when it says, don't use your freedom as a covering for evil, it's your choice, whether you take and live in freedom for the kingdom or for the enemy. Let me tell you, it, I, have, I have lived in such offense, and I had all sorts of reasons, and some of them were good reasons, and some of them not so much. And I, I could have listed all the offenses and all the things that hurt me and all the things that, that, that were done to me. Uh, I could have said all this stuff. And for that matter, I did. But the truth is, is the offense was my own choice to walk in it. I didn't have to. I didn't have to spend three years offended. Unless, I mean, before that, I, was, I spent more than three years offended. But I didn't have to. So this morning, I guess the, the biggest thing is you don't have to walk in offense anymore. You don't have to be drug around by the things that have happened to you. You don't have to be drug around by the things that you think you should stand on a soapbox for. I mean, let's, I mean, I'm not saying don't stand up for things, but I'm saying don't get offended by them. The world is going to do what the world does. It's not going to change. It probably will get worse. But we don't have to be offended by it. We can release love. Unconditional love. The kind of love that Jesus releases. Remember, as he hung on that cross, it was the people there that, that were killing him, and he prayed for them. He loved them. His love didn't end. It didn't, well, I, I, I don't love you anymore because you're the one who put that nail in. and I don't love you anymore because you put that nail in. He cried out for them. And the list goes on and on throughout the Bible of, of disciples that should have been offended and, and could have been offended, but they, I mean, they stoned and killed Paul I don't know how many times. He got back up and went back in. I think I would have moved on to another city. He didn't. I'm going to go right back into the city. God doesn't make sense. I mean, don't try to make sense of God. Don't. God does what he wants to do when he wants to do it and how he wants to do it, and it's such a beautiful thing. And there's such a, a, a greater level of freedom that you're meant to walk in. And I'm not talking about, well, I'm free from this and I'm free from that. And I'm free. No, complete, total. Nothing. Nothing that you're not free from. It doesn't have to be, uh, I'm going to give you this, and I'm going to give that, and I'm going to give this. Give it all. 
Because the beautiful thing is, is God takes it all and he sets you free. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, so I, I'm done, but I want to invite you to get free. I want to invite you to be unoffended for the rest of your life. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice not to be offended by anything anymore? Even the good things that you, should, that you think you should be offended by? Have you ever said things, well, Jesus would get offended by that? <laughs> no, he wouldn't. So I just, I, I think it's, uh, it's powerful to come to the altar. We sang that this morning. I think it's, it's significant. I think that, uh, that we've all been offended in this room. I think we'd be lying if we said we weren't. So I just think it's a greater measure this morning that he wants to release a greater freedom, a greater love than you've ever experienced, a life that, that is one with him, a, a true covenant, a true uniting with him where you know his heart, just like Moses did. Moses knew, knew the father's heart. And that's been my prayer every day, is that I would know his heart at a deeper, deeper level, moment by moment. So I would just ask that you'd come. And we'll just, we'll pray. And I think, I think God wants to release something really significant here this morning. I really do. Thanks for listening to this week's message. The goal of River City Hope Church is to provide as many resources as we can for free. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to HopeForRiverCity.com. Again, that's Hope, the number four, RiverCity.com.